Let us pray together. <clears throat> Dear God, days pass and years vanish. And so often we walk sightless among miracles. So help us to slow down enough actually to see that every common bush might be a fire with you. Help us to see. We need your help. To know that the gates of heaven opening up to you are everywhere. Amen. So in today's story, our dear Moses is out grazing his sheep below Mount Horeb when he suddenly feels what each and every one of us at some point in our lives has felt, the tiny pull of awe. Ever felt that? Deep calling to deep. It's the small little portal that opens up in our lives into wonder and astonishment and mystery. And think about it. All of Jewish history shifts from slavery, cruel slavery, into exhilarating liberation because Moses stops to see the sacred in a shrub. Jewish history begins, what well, doesn't begin there, but it hits a key moment when Moses sees God in a bush. So sometimes awe stops us in our tracks as well, but more often it niggles at the side of our vision and our consciousness. We feel something pulling us. Will we look at it or will we just keep on rushing forward? Will we see the deeper dimension of reality, the God dimension? Will we stop sleepwalking through life? Will we finally wake up? For us, these experiences may come in many and various ways. And I've been asking you about these experiences this past week. It's been so wonderful. One of you talked about the way the golden light dapples into your home at the end of the day. Or one of you talked about the first wobbling steps of your child. Oh, wow. Or the moral beauty, I love that, the moral beauty of someone's great courage or kindness. Or in a moment of collective effervescence, <laughs> in a moment of collective effervescence, when you were watching your children dance ecstatically in the rain. Wow. Awe may pull at us through things vast, like mountains and the Milky Way overhead. 
But I also want us to be sure to notice that awe can happen in the very small, the minute, right under our nose. In the exquisite perfection and beauty of even just a dandelion. Have you ever looked at a dandelion? Its serrated petals, its exquisite beauty. I don't usually, I admit, I usually just try to pick them up out of our lawn. But that's what we're talking about is this noticing of the exquisite right under our noses. And today Moses does something so, so very crucial, but that most of us, most of the time, fail to do. He turns off his phone and he yields to the pull of awe. Verse 3, Moses says, I must turn aside to see this great sight. I'm not making this up. He says this. I must turn aside. And for Moses, this experience of turning aside becomes a portal experience that transports him into a deeper connection with God and a deeper sharing of God's passionate concern for those who are enslaved and suffering. It's very important. And I love verse 4. Seeing that Moses has turned aside, God can now work with him. Seeing that he has Moses' attention, that he is open to mystery, God can now fill Moses with this dream of liberating the people of Israel from the cruel empire of Egypt. Awe and this expansion of our imaginations, it's connected, dear friends. It's connected. And something very important also helped happens in our story today, God tells Moses to take off his shoes. And I'm going to take a little risk here and ask all of us, ask, not tell, all of us to do the same right now. Ben, you can take your sliders off. I just got a little shorter. And in a little bit later, we're going to explain why this is so very important. So what exactly is awe? Quite simply, it's what happens whenever we ex experience something vast or very small that transcends or expands our current understanding of the world and of our lives. Awe awakens us to contemplate the deeper and fuller dimensions of life, to take a long, 
loving look at the real. Awe may break upon us in the birth of our child or the death of a loved one. The gateways of life are holy, whether you come in or you're leaving. It may come in seeing a shaft of light illuminating a cardinal in the tree, tree nearby, or in an exquisite piece of music. Wow. Or when reconciliation comes in a long and painfully broken relationship. Wow. Or in the way our dog looks at us with eyes filled with complete and unconditional love. Do you know what I'm talking about? Lord have mercy, do they? Wow. Dog or God sometimes. I'm not being sentimental here. This is, how are we going to experience God except through these moments of holiness? and sacredness. Or yesterday at Pride Fest, a young man coming to our table and telling me, I was baptized in a Mennonite church and I can't believe you're here today. Because after I came out in my church, I became everybody's project. And all the hugs turned into handshakes. And eventually I left. Thanks for being here, he said. Wow. You see, by God's design, these encounters of connection of the sublime, the ineffable, are meant to transport us into wonder and astonishment and mystery and then into a deeper loving connection with God and those around us. And awe sometimes comes with all of these wonderful physical sensations, doesn't it? Like our spine tingling, goosebumps, chills. Sometimes our eyes suddenly fill with tears. We don't know why, but we're deeply moved. Or, you know, as Andrew said, it's often in, accompanied by, in English, words like, wow, whoa. And uh, Bernardo, how do you say this in Spanish? Is it guau, right? And do you know how you say wow in Chinese? Wow. Go to a, a, a spring festival, help me out, Danette, uh, fireworks. <laughs> 10,000 people gather around, everybody's saying, let's do it. Wah. Wah. Studies show that the average person experiences awe around two or three times a week. But we can also cultivate a deeper receptivity to awe 
by simply going out for a brief awe walk, or if with your kid, a wow walk, each day. I saw Herb and Becky on a wow walk on Friday evening, didn't I? I also find it helpful, and we're going to explore this more next week, how to cultivate this. But let me mention also having an awe notebook where I just list the things that I so easily forget, especially the good things. And I open it up this morning, and the first entry in here was July 29, 2021. July 29, 2021. Saying goodbye to Alan Shirk and kissing his forehead. A moment of great awe. Great awe. And I'm not making this up. August 28, 21, visit with Camden and Morgan. In the midst of the pandem pandemic, that visit gave me great hope for our church. God was drawing new people to us in the midst of this despair, all of this hopelessness. Okay, so why did I have us all take off our shoes today? <laughs> Is it just a pastor's stunt? I actually did this because we will all eventually forget almost everything I say in my sermon today, including me. Maybe even a week from now, hopefully a month. But many years from now, we may still remember taking off our shoes in church. And if I'm successful today, you will remember why you did that. Richard Rohr, not our Richard Rohr, but the other one, says that our negative and painful experiences are like Velcro. They stick forever. But our positive experiences, like awe, are like Teflon. They just slide away quickly and are gone. Amen? What is that about our brains? in our hearts, and our souls, that we quickly forget the good, but we remember the bad forever. So because of this, in order for our experiences of awe to actually stick, to become imprinted on our souls, we need to get our bodies involved. The spiritual needs to get physical. And so things like taking off our shoes are very helpful. And this is what religious ritual is all about, engaging our bodies with our minds and our souls. So the next time you experience awe in your life, I urge you to get your body involved. Maybe by opening or raising your hands in gratitude 
If you go to a forest or a wood someday, you'll see your pastor with his hands raised. I'm not talking about corner piety. This is in the quiet of you, with you and God. Or maybe by, in a holy moment, just placing your hands on your heart. Just do that right now. See how it feels. Take in the preciousness of this moment right now. Or if you're like Mary Oliver in her poems, she often talks about in the presence of awe and the sacred, she just simply gently bows slightly to acknowledge the holiness of the moment. So I've saved the best for last. Today's story about Moses' encounter with God, Yahweh, the great I am, I am who I am, shows us that the pursuit of awe is never, 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 never meant just to be a self-indulgent running after peak experiences. And the pursuit of awe can just be that, the pursuit of wonderful experiences just for me. But through the lens of faith, God desires to use these experiences to wake us up from our terrible American nightmare of separateness. God desires to decrease our me and to increase our we. Do you follow me? To decrease the me, me, me and to increase our experiences of we-ness. Dacher Keltner, a pioneer in the science of awe, says this. Experiences of awe quiet the nagging, self-critical, overbearing, self-conscious voice of ourself. Anybody have that voice? <laughs> the ego, the inner critic just jabbering on and on. When we experience awe, that quiets, goes away, and empowers us then to collaborate, to open our minds to wonders, and to see the deeper patterns of life. By God's design, I believe our experiences of awe are designed to connect us more deeply with God, with each other, and with our incredibly vulnerable planet. And to fill us like Moses with God's dream of liberating and reconciling and restoring all people, all of creation, Friends, the gates of heaven are everywhere. The gates of heaven are everywhere. Amen.